hello everyone and welcome to from the basement up today i have tom adam and we are here to discuss plantedetroit.com hydroponic farming and planting inside and how tom started this venture and tom if you don't mind i just want to start tell us a little bit about you like your background and then i want to talk about the business and how you started going in that direction okay um well thank you for having me uh, I know it's been a rough morning and I've had those. I uh, <laughs> certainly have had websites and certain issues go, go on and I understand the fire drills. So a little bit about myself, um, geez, where to start? Uh, grew up in, you know, just south of Detroit, uh, have always lived in Michigan, went to the University of Michigan, Ross School of Business, got my BBA there, uh, worked in investment banking for a couple of years and out of Southfield, Michigan company called Stout Recious Ross. A lot of good experience working for different companies, um, you know, public companies as well as large private companies. Uh, got good experience in the capital markets and uh, working on mergers and acquisitions. Uh, so that was kind of how my career started. And then I moved into private wealth management as a portfolio manager and trading equities and options. It's been kind of a, a whirlwind of the last I don't know, 14, 15 years. Um, I've got a family, I've got four kids. So it's been, it's been work and life the last 15 years. And uh, really the last four years is when Planted Detroit was born. And I've been building that up ever since. Going to hydroponic farming from, you know, investment, the investment world. And it sounds like you've, you had like a traditional business background. Um, how did you make that leap? It's a really good question. You know, I kind of think back, you know, hindsight is 2020 and how did this all come about? Um, there was a bit of an aha moment uh, at one point before I did it. Um, but it was really years of, you know, studying markets, studying the, the industry. And really, when I say the industry, the food supply chain. Um, I worked, you know, in my previous career um, on some food distributors I worked with um, some grocery stores and got to see some of these larger public companies, um, the back ends of their business and where they were, where, really where they were not making money. Um, and, and, you know, that was kind of the, the beginning of, you know, me thinking about the food supply chain um, and how we, how we move our food, um, how we, as consumers, are paying higher and higher prices for lower and lower quality food. Um, so I really started thinking holistically about, you know, the food supply chain and seeing the cracks and the, the issues with it. Um, I also, in my uh, in investment portfolios, have the opportunity to invest in farmland um, and, and lease that farm to farmers. Um, and it's been a great investment opportunity as land prices have been increasing over the years. Um, however, I get to work with the farmers and see their P&Ls and see what they're how they're getting by and they're not making a lot of money, at, at least not the smaller farmers anymore. Um, but what they're spending a lot of money on is fertilizers. Um, you know, they, they pray for good weather and they pump chemicals into the soil in order to hopefully get a yield to get by. Yeah. Um, and so kind of seeing some of these components really made me think and want to do uh, a deeper dive into alternative growing methods. Um, so this was probably 2000, 15 that I started researching hydroponic growing, growing indoors, 
and ultimately came across vertical farming as a potential uh, and economically viable solution. Um, and so it was a couple of years of research talking to people within the CEA industry or the controlled environment agriculture industry, um, trying to understand, you know, what are, what are some investment opportunities here? Uh, and so I looked at some, some companies in the space. I talked with people at, you know, uh, tech stars that had looked at hundreds of these companies. And what it came to the realization of is that they're, they're all super risky. It's not proven. Um, they're very immature in a lot of ways. Um, you know, they're figuring things out and, uh, learning as they go and nobody's doing it profitably, which is important. There was there was a, that aha moment that I that I mentioned, um, which again in hindsight it was a it was a a moment at three in the morning when I'm sitting up thinking about all of these things and trying to put all the puzzle pieces together and um, there was a couple of you know big news articles that hit um, at the time where there's a, a large vertical farming company called Plenty that raised. I don't know, $400 million from SoftBank and backed by Jeff Bezos. And then, um, so they, they were the biggest at the time in terms of money raised and it, it, it hit the headlines. So, you know, that was the first indicator that, all right, this is a real space. There's, there's some serious investment coming in and I should part, you know, participate in it. Um, and then Amazon made the uh, acquisition of Whole Foods. And I'm thinking, that's interesting. You know, there's a shift to, online shopping and e-commerce. Um, there's a shift in consumer behaviors and how they're, how they're shopping for their food and then also what food they want to eat. Um, and this is an interesting acquisition that Amazon's making. So maybe there's some shifts going on that, you know, longer term, I could build a facility that could, you know, supply food directly to the consumers. They could buy right from us. Um, and the only way to do that is to grow it in their market. And the best way to do that is in, a, in an indoor environment, especially in Detroit, when we pretty much have snow on the ground six months out of the year. So pretty short growing season here. Um, and so that's what that's what ultimately spurred it. And I started it as, you know, I, hey, if I'm going to get into this risky business, Mm -hmm. um, I want to be really involved and I want to see it and I want to learn it and do my due diligence uh, as I grow it. Um, and so that's that's how it started. We moved into a 20,000 square foot warehouse in Detroit in 2018, kept it close to home so I could be involved and, um, you know, started building out the teams. And really the first couple of years, definitely the first several months was figuring things out, as I suspected. Uh, learning what you can grow, how to grow it, testing technologies that exist, a lot of research and development. And ultimately, the team, uh, they were able to grow 66 different varieties of lettuces and herbs and microgreens. And it, it tasted good. Um, that was my biggest concern is, is it going to taste like soap? Uh, I mean, what is this going to be? So we started working with chefs. We started working with the culinary community and perfecting the taste profile of the, of the crops. Um, and then I sat on the data side and was able to analyze, you know, the time from seed to harvest and all of the inputs and uh, build an economic model around all of these different uh, varieties that we could grow inside all year round. I love that you're taking the business side and the business approach to this. Tell me about the business. When did it start? How did, you know, obviously you bought, you bought a building. Yeah. So um, I was fortunate enough to be able to fund 
everything to date through my own investment company. Okay. Um, part of it's part of the portfolio that I that I grow. Um, so yes, I took the business side of it, but I think what's really important is the people that I surrounded myself with. Um, there's there's five members of our leadership team, and they all have different backgrounds and experiences than I do. Um, I you know I certainly bring the business and analytical side to things, and and of course the financing, which is important, but. The other members of my team have the plant science, the the horticulture, uh, you know, the microbiology uh, backgrounds, as well as grocery and food. And so combined, you know, we we sit at the table together and we can problem solve together from different angles. Um, so that's what really what we've done for the last four years is sit together and problem solve. Um, we look at everything from, a, you know, every direction and we pick it apart and that goes down to every crop that we grow. Um, we have gateways that we have to work through. Um, you know, there's certain crops that we won't grow because it doesn't make either economical sense or it doesn't make uh, horticultural sense or it's a big food safety risk. We, we look at it from all those angles and what we ended up doing over time is develop, you know, learning how to grow and perfecting the grow recipe from the horticulture side, um, testing LED lights. And it's really fascinating technology that um, you can change the growth profile and the taste profile of these plants. And so we were- Wait, wait, we wait. Were, Go back really fast to the yeah. taste profile. I want to hear about this part. How, now, how did you, where did you start with some of these? And then what did you have to do to make them taste better? Okay. Uh, so early on, um, we were creating some greens that were extremely spicy. Um, okay. and, and it was because, you know, you can change the environment that they're growing in, in order to uh, generate different taste profiles. So produce different sugars and uh, just treat the plant differently. So changing the temperature and humidity and something called VPD. Uh, the vapor pressure deficit. And these are things that I didn't come to the table with. These are things that I learned all about uh, through the process, but you can change the lights. So from red versus blue light or the intensity of the lights. Um, so it changes the photosynthetic uh, transmission of how the plant is, is living and breathing. Um, so cool. It's so cool. It's, it's, it's mind blowing. It's really, really awesome. I love this. I appreciate that. It is fascinating. Absolutely. So, okay, you're doing a lot of greens and I know you just, you had mentioned there's some, there's some food. It doesn't make sense. What, what food is that? And do you see an evolution where it will be a possibility? Yeah, really great question. Um, I'm going to have to single out one that I'm not quite sure how people are, people are growing it indoors um, in a controlled environment. I just don't understand how they're doing it economically. Uh, and that's strawberries. Um, we grew them very early on in Planet's history. Um, and the, the reasons why we didn't go after it at that time were the time it takes to grow, uh, the amount of electricity you have to pump into the plant, um, and just the nature of the plant, like the, the fruiting nature of it was really difficult to build kind of the economic model around. Uh, you just don't produce enough strawberries off of a single plant in order to make it worthwhile unless you sell them for a price that's worthwhile. 
And I think that's what we see in the marketplace right now is the folks that are doing it. Um, they're selling, you know, six or maybe a dozen strawberries for 25 to $50, um, which that can only be afforded by certain people or are utilized by certain chefs in very unique situations. So right now it's a very niche market. Um, the economics just aren't there uh, yet, um, but they can get there over time. Um, that's what I, that's what I study is the economics are there for, um, in my opinion, value added products. If you can grow and create value added products that consumers love and they're willing to pay uh, a little bit higher premium for, um, you know, that that's the space we're living in with ready to eat salads with dressings and other toppings that we don't grow, um, making these beautiful products that people love. Um, but the economics will change over time because the technology continues to get better. Um, the lighting technology has improved significantly even in the last four years. Uh, the upfront costs are coming down and the efficiency is going up and the economics really work. And that's one of the biggest costs in our, in our p and is electricity. Okay. So do you see, um, like, do you have solar going on your building and everything else? No, we currently don't, but definitely as we're building out future farms, it's something that we're considering. Uh, solar is a tough, a tough one because you do need a lot of space for it. Uh, our buildings draw a lot of power and um, so we need a big solar field in order to do it. So we are exploring it for certain aspects, but really looking at it from a, a, a full sustainability picture. Um, where are we drawing power from? If we're pulling it from the grid, where is that coming from? Is it coming from renewable resources? Um, and then there are some technologies that we're exploring that we could have uh, systems on site that generate enough power to run our facility um, all, all within our own control. Okay. It's, it's just so cool. I love it. And I love that you have this team of people and everybody brings something to the table in the business. Are you thinking about franchising? Are you thinking about expanding into other towns? Or are you like, nope, we're going to just do this one really well? So far, it's do this one really well. Okay. You know, we're, we're fortunate to be really the, the first mover in the Detroit market. Um, we have an opportunity to build our brand, which is really important. We have an opportunity to be a part of the community that we're that we're built in. We we can help build the community around us, the small businesses. We have opportunities to partnership with with other small businesses, um, and we do that. Um, you know, so that's our laser focus is to stay in Nail, Southeast Michigan. Um, we can grow in Detroit, and we currently distribute about thirty miles from Detroit. Um, we do all of those deliveries right now by ourselves with four or five vans that run routes every day. And so, yeah, that's going to be our focus for now. Um, the future will definitely have, you know, different plans, but that's part of the journey. Um, I have, you know, a plan A, but there's also a plan B and C. And I don't know which direction they'll ultimately go, but I do know that, um, you know, we have the right building blocks, the right components right now to really scale this thing. And um, yeah, we've got the right people and have done, building the teams that are important for the foundation of that. Okay. I get, I get really excited about this. So when, when you're all together and um, kind of talking through this, where you're the visionary. So where, where could you see, I know that you're kind of maybe playing it down, but where could you see this going like in 20 years? 
to be honest, we have to, we have to be a lot bigger at that point. And I don't mean just us, but the industry overall, Yes, um, we're going to have to find a way to grow food better and faster and safer. Um, I think that's the key component is safer. Um, we're seeing people getting sick, people even dying from eating lettuce. They're eating a salad. They're trying to be healthy yeah. and they're getting infected by things like listeria and E. coli uh, because of the way in which we've been setting up our food system. It changes hands way too many times. It sits in on a truck. It sits in a distributor. It sits on a grocery shelf and it deteriorates that whole time it's sitting there. So by 2042, we need we need a series, a network of farms like what we have, um, you know, a distributed network. So this is just kind of always been my dream. I, I drive by. I was a I'm older than you. So I'm like a kid in the in the 80s. I was always at malls. You know, I was like a mall rat. So I was always there. And I've always wondered, I'm like, what if we turn those into farms? Like, is something like that possible? Could we get there someday? Absolutely. It's possible. Uh, it's the path to get there. Okay. Does it make sense? So I've already considered malls. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I have a brother-in-law that's in the mall industry. Uh, so he, his company owns some of the largest and best malls in the world. Um, and, and there's a lot of malls that aren't very good. And those are, those are C level malls and you can, that's, that's valuable real estate for, for something like us, like where we grow vertically, we're able to take the square, a single square footage, which in a retail space is, you know, they're, they're just trying to manage their retail inventory. Um, whereas we're able to turn that into multiple levels of production space. Absolutely. Uh, so it's definitely possible. It will be interesting to see how some of the real estate will be repurposed over time. We started with repurposing um, and there's a lot of pros and cons. Um, there's, there's costs that go with, you know, we, we, we're in a 130 year old building and we've essentially had to rebuild mo most of it. Oh, wow. um, so in terms of future farms, you know, there's, there's going to be always that cost benefit analysis of, you know, buy something and repurpose versus build something new. Because you've gone through this learning process and you have this advisory team, this team of people that you love. Do you ever see you all, the, your team, becoming like advisors for other companies who are wanting to launch? And could you expand your services that way? Could you see that happening? It's a great question. Um, I don't know for sure. Um, we do love to talk to people, either in the industry or outside. Um, in particular, uh, small businesses. So recently, we all got on a call with a small business out of Grand Rapids. Um, you know, somebody that's uh, that's standing up a small vertical farm, and we're gonna just offer our information, right? Our learnings from the last four years as they're in their maybe their first year. Um, and you know, one critical component is, uh, this, the food safety aspect and making sure that you're taking that very seriously early on, because it's just a different, it's a different, um, it's a different component than growing outside. You know, there's a lot of food safety issues with growing outside, but as soon as you bring it inside, you have the, you know, you've got a lot of water, you've got a lot of things that can grow some nasty things. So 
you know, you really got to watch what you bring into your farm. Um, and so that's, that's one aspect that we've started to uh, advise other small businesses about, you know, if you're going to enter the space, you know, I want to make sure your food is safe and I want to make sure you're giving your customers and they want that too, right? They just don't know how to do it because if a lot of these farms start to pop up and they don't take food safety seriously, it's going to be uh, bad for all of us, right? Um, it's going to be a, it can become a stigma on the industry. And that will make it harder for Plant in Detroit to grow and everybody else in the space. That's a really good point. That's a great point. For people who are starting out on their own, um, you know, hiring you as an advisor, giving classes, that type of thing. Definitely open to it. This is for any, you know, young business owner. Um, It really, any business comes down to like focus and priorities. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, you, there's only 24 hours in a day and, you know, I've been at this venture of planted Detroit for four years and there's some bags under my eyes, you know, you you get tired after a while and everybody on the team does. Um, so it is a grind. And so focus on priority is really important. Um, we, we are getting better at that. And I think, you know, in, in terms of, what we want versus what we what we can do. It's always it's always weighing that. Um, we want to be able to teach this. Um, we want to be able to talk to you know other business owners or even uh, just people that are interested in maybe a career in that in the ag tech space. Um, and so we've we've started a few things locally um, with our with our community development team where we're bringing many hydroponic systems into. Uh, local schools or local community leaders. Um, we've got a partnership with the, the Detroit Boxing Gym that has a lot of youth uh, within our community, and they can they can come in there and learn from us um, what hydroponics is. But the uh, yeah, so the 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 learning, the teaching, and the education component is very important to us. Um, we're going to develop you know more more strategies over time. Um, we have plans for a future farm that would allow the public to come in and take classes and learn and be hands-on with the types of systems that we're working with. Um, and all of that is in an initiative to um, develop a workforce, um, you know, train and develop this workforce so that people can build careers in the industry. I really see that being a big component over the next 20 years. Um, not only will these facilities start coming online, but we need people to run them. We need people to manage them. We need software developers. We need, you know, every, a lot of different spaces. Um, we need tradesmen, we need electricians, mechanical, electrical, um, plumbing, a lot of different aspects of this business. Okay. So you started four years ago. Tell me what you started with four years ago and then where are you now? Okay. Um, boy, it was a blank slate. Uh, walk into a 20,000 square foot empty space. Oh my gosh. Were you scared at all? No, it's exciting. It's invigorating, right? That, that was the, that was the honeymoon of like, all right, let's do this. We're going to crush this. We're going to, we're going to scale in the first year. And you know, no, that's not what happened. Um, what ended up happening was four years of grinding and figuring it out and developing systems and processes and um, making a lot of mistakes, but make them while you're small. 
You know, we we walked into a 20,000 square foot warehouse, but really just started in 10% of it, 2,500 square feet. And that was our R&D, figure it out in a small space. And while we figured a lot of things out in that small space, we designed the full 20,000 square feet. Um, and so four years, fast forward, what we have now are automated systems. Uh, we have racking systems with elevators that move the plants up to the top of the building. And as they grow, it moves it like an assembly line all the way down where it moves down an elevator and into its harvest room. Oh, one question, the racking system. Did you, de- did you design that? Did you create that? Uh, yes. It, it ultimately had to be created with, along with some partnerships. Um, but the, the, we brought, you know, the plant knowledge to the table, uh, and then worked with some outside engineers and, um, designers and, um, all the tradesmen in order to bring it all together. Awesome. Uh, so yeah, massive racking system with automated components. Um, and again, thinking the reason for that investment was, Hey, we realized that, um, one, we want our workers to be safe. We don't want, we see other people in the industry moving up and down on scissor lifts. We don't want that. Um, also from efficiency perspective, um, from a food safety perspective, not having people touching things, um, and, and just, uh, generally what we tested early on was this particular grow system produced the best results for the, the leafy greens that we wanted. So we built all the components around the plant. What did the plant need? And we built the, we built the system around it. Um, we've got equipment that's automated. We've got a seeding machine that slides the trays in, drops the seeds, uh, moves it into a germination chamber. The plants grow for a couple of days. They move into a nursery area where they grow, you know, for about a week and get a little bit bigger under a very specific light recipe, uh, receiving the nutrients right to their roots. Um, and then they, they, some of them move into another system where they grow up and get harvested. Uh, many of them move into this automated system. Uh, it depends on the plant, though. Um, they all end up in our harvest room where they get harvested through an automated harvest machine. Uh, they move into a cold storage area and then get packaged right there in the same facility um, into primarily ready-to-eat salads, but also you know, greens mixes, uh, individual microgreens and herbs. Um, and we sell right to the consumer. So a lot of people will buy right from plantedetroit.com. They set up a subscription. Their salads show up at their doorstep. Um, but we also sell to hospitals. We sell to Henry Ford health system. Um, we sell through plum market and Meyer and the grocery stores. We sell to restaurants wholesale. You know, uh, you might find our greens on your salad at your local restaurant. Tom, that is so cool. I mean, it's just so cool to have had this. I, I, so typically like I ask people what their biggest win was and then also, kind of, I guess, what the biggest lessons, because lessons are, you know, they're hard, they're painful, but they also teach you the most too. Um, would you mind sharing those? Um, first, maybe your biggest loss or your biggest um, lesson. And then what was the biggest win? Yeah, oh, that's a great question. And it's a tough one because there's so many mistakes. There's so many losses and you got to learn from each and every one of them. Yes. Well, I, I did talk a lot about food safety. Um, I think that's really important. 
Um, we made some mistakes early on and that's how I learned so much about this area. Um, I surrounded myself with, you know, people that understand microbiology. Um, again, not my background, but we had some food safety issues early on in the business. We identified them. Um, we shut the business down for a period of time. That was really important to clean things up and redesign. And it was part of the learning experience. We didn't, um, you know, we, 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 repositioned ourselves and rethought about um, how, how we were doing everything. Uh, and now it's integral to our business. Uh, every business decision has to pass through that food safety aspect. Um, and so that, that's, uh, that, that was a huge mistake that turned into a huge opportunity. Um, and that's why I'm speaking to small businesses and other, other people in the industry about it. Uh, if they're not taking it seriously, they better. Yes. And you turn the, you turn the lesson into a win, which is great. And you know, even the materials that we select for, you know, uh, all the growing components and um, the process. So how, you know, how are we moving things? Um, What, which zones is it passing through and are we testing? Can we test those zones and, prevent any potential issues in the future. And so that's, that's a cool, cool aspect of, um, you know, having some mistakes, but learning from them. So you've checked a lot of boxes. I, I mean, I always kind of go, what are your boxes that you have to check to be like successful, your success? And it seems like you're very kind of focused in your community. You're doing a lot for your community. You're teaching the young kids all about this new industry that's coming. I also feel like you're, you're an innovator. So you're kind of creating these methods of different ways of doing it to improve it, to make it better. It's just like, you've just got a lot in four years. It's so impressive that you've just done all of these things. And it's really, really, really cool. How far out can you ship? So first off, thank you. I appreciate the accolades. Um, Like I said, it's a grind. uh, So it's nice to hear it. Um, Everybody on the team is super humble. So we, we always think we're behind. Right. We got to catch up. We got to we got to grow faster. Uh, but it's it's really nice to hear that. Hey, you're you're doing the right things. Um, and I, I actually am often the one that has to tell the rest of the team that is, hey, you're doing the right things. Take it slow. Let's watch how things develop and let's be smart about it. You know, let's be smart about scaling. Um, so that's really important um, in terms of shipping radius. Uh, it's about 30 miles. Okay. Um Currently, so uh, from Detroit, that's you know reaching out to the Ann Arbor area, um, and then up where I live, which is Brighton, that's kind of the northwest corner of Metro Detroit, um, and, and then um, all of the uh, Novi, Farmington, West Bloomfield, Birmingham area, as well as the you know Gross Point and the, those zip codes along there. Um, our website's zip code enabled, so if you just log on planteddetroit.com, you're able to check to see if we ship to you. And if we don't, you can inquire about when we might, and we potentially will add it to the list. Um, Logistics and distribution is another aspect that uh, we are tackling. Um, Like I said, we got four to five vans on the road every single day, zooming around, making deliveries to grocery stores, hospitals, restaurants, and people, uh, everyday consumers. And, um, we're, we're thinking about that really hard. I think um, as the business scales and transforms, um, we're, we're going to be 
uh, we're going to be taking a different approach to that distribution so that we can make sure that we're timely and um, we're able to hit just about every area uh, around the farm as quickly as possible. So I'm just curious, just because the lights can be going on all the time at the farm. Do you have, how many employees do you have? And is this around the clock operation? So the, the plants don't stop, yes. right? They're always growing. Uh, they just happen to be, you know, in an assembly line, you're, you're putting a vehicle together. The plants just happen to grow themselves. We just have to feed them the right environment. Um, we've got about over 60 employees, uh, for, for our first facility. Um, and we have a second facility that we're building and we're looking at expanding to two more. So we've built up the teams, um, in order to facilitate that sort of growth. Holy cow. Um, okay. I'm in, I'm in shock right now. I have like 22 employees and I know it's tough. That's it's hard, but 60 employees in four years. That's amazing. And, and then you're, you're going to be expanding and growing. I mean, that's, that's phenomenal. Wow. Um, Let me just give you a little bit of that whirlwind. We went from 11 employees in April of 2020 as the pandemic was hitting. Oh, um, there was 11 of us. Um, And we were in the process of building the full warehouse out you know, the automated systems and all of the improvements that we've done. We were right in the middle of that. And um, we, were, we were fortunate to keep operating through the pandemic as a critical infrastructure business. Um, we were able to construct uh, and, and complete that project by the end of 2020 and turn it on for 2021. Um, and so we started hiring uh, towards the end of 20. And, you know, that that was just a crazy time, right? The world shut down and we were able to kind of keep going and, and then come out of it even better. And so we had this huge facility built and then we needed people and teams and processes to be developed. And so we hired and, you know, we went from 11 to 60 in two years. Um, And there's, there's growing pains as part of that, right? Developing processes and standards of procedure and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a difficult period, but we've kind of been, we've gotten through that. And now I feel like we're at a point where, all right, we've, we, we've got the teams now built around ourselves. It's not just, it's not just me. It's not just the leadership team. We all have our teams and it's super important, super important for uh, the future. Congratulations. I, I'm, blown away again. I it just, because I know it, it takes a long time and to also build the culture, but you obviously have probably really wonderful, good people who see this as the future and see this and want to be part of it and want to learn. So. Definitely. Um, you know, culture is super important. I'm, I'm laser, I've always been laser focused on it. Um, you know, it's not something that you can dictate. It's something that's going to shape over time. Uh, but I do think it's probably one of the most important, important, intangible assets of a business. Um, if you can generate positive team culture and, and create problem solvers on a daily basis, oh man, you, your, your growth is going to be exponential. Um, now that that's culture, um, you know, in terms of, uh, I think you had mentioned the facility, if it runs 24 hours, um, 
So it essentially does 365 days a year. Um, it's just our people are, you know, only there for a certain period of the time. Um, so we run multiple shifts, but you know, the, the lights are on for 16 hours a day. Um, the plants are being irrigated multiple times throughout that 24, 24 hour period. Um, the temperature and humidity is constantly being, uh, manipulated and controlled. Um, and so the facility is constantly running, um, which is just a, it's a crazy thing to think about. Um, at least for me, it was early on to be able to step away and know that it's still running. Um, and be able to sleep at night. There were a lot of sleepless nights when you're, you know, you're going to wake up to uh, an irrigation failure or something, right? Um, but you know, now it's, you know, it, it's nice to be able to know we've 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 made all those mistakes and we've accomplished so much that we can step away and the thing runs itself, and we can build more of this. That's so exciting! Congratulations. In addition to um, the greens, do you see yourself, do you see the company maybe dabbling in something else or are you, you kind of have your niche and you're focused? Definitely our niche and our focus is, is prepackaged salads. You know, they're really popular right now and uh, we're going to lean into that component heavily. Um, You know, leafy greens, herbs, microgreens, we, you know, we're, we're nailing those. We've got good market for it. Um, we're able to achieve, you know, reasonable prices um, and, and make us make a decent profit on it, um, which is business 101. Um, we're looking at another category. Um, it's edible flowers. That's uh, an interesting category to me because, again, I'm not a foodie. And so I was like, when the team first brought it up as, a, as an idea, um, you know, I was a little skeptical, but after looking, there's a market for it. Um, we, you know, in talking with our chef partners, they, they want them, they need them. They're hard to source. So we can, we can grow these little flowers that are edible and they taste amazing. So going back to the taste, I'm like, what are these things going to taste like? But they're really unique. Uh, they're beautiful in color. And it's something that I think we'll put into our salads. Um, which I think the everyday consumer will be a little bit at first, a little shocked by it. What is this? They're going to love them. They're going to love them. That's amazing. For sure. Absolutely. I saw it. I can't remember. It was, you know, one of those traveling, um, shows where the chefs are traveling around the world and talking to different or a foodie and then talking to different chefs. And someone had gone out and, um, you know, went into the forest or, and had found some edible flowers. And it was just such a wonderful thing that they were all talking about and how great they tasted. And then, of course, after you watch that, you're like, well, I want to I want to try some. So people are definitely going to buy them. They're going to love them. So, now, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know if you were alluding to us potentially getting into, I don't know, something like cannabis. Now my imagination's going like. Is it possible to do dirt too? Like, what about roots? Like, what about potatoes? What about carrots? Like, th- that's kind of where I was going, but I have no idea because I don't know the background. I don't know the science. So I have no idea. When I talk to my team, they pretty much say, hey, anything is possible. Okay. <laughs> I like your team. You have an awesome team. Yeah. Anything is possible. <laughs> but what, what's our priority and what's our focus? Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, no, a lot of these things are possible. Um, 
and we, we have grown some really unique things, but, um, you know, you still got to focus on the things that have a, a, a large enough market and a reasonable price to go after. Um, you know, that's, that's business 101. Uh, right. I do bring up cannabis for a reason. And a lot of people ask us why we don't grow it. Um, because it's very profitable, you know, it's a booming industry. And, um, you know, we've taken a, just a, a focus on let's leverage the cannabis industry for technology. Let's let watch all the investment come into cannabis. And that is the economics that's changing. The investment came into the lighting technology used to grow cannabis, but now is used to grow food. The cost of the lights have come down. The efficiency has gone up. Um, the trades people, you know, we, four years ago, it would have been hard to find somebody to build a facility for what we want to do. Now, four years later, a lot of our construction partners have built cannabis facilities. So they understand, you know, the tradesmen understand the electrical necessities, um, the HVAC systems, even the HVAC companies, the equipment providers, they're now creating equipment that's highly efficient for dehumidification or, you know, managing these indoor environments. So it's really evolving really quickly. Uh, but that's, that's my method of, uh, of leveraging cannabis is let the investment pour into the tech. I see that. And that makes perfect sense. And that's a great way to handle that. And you're right. Everything is changing. It's evolving and good for you. This is just, it's such a cool thing what you've created. I, I I'm in awe because I've been talking about the mall space and why aren't we doing farms and malls and none, and, and everyone could just kind of looks at me like I'm a little crazy, but just he talking to someone who's doing it is, is just, I, I find it so cool. It's just, brilliant and you've got all these brilliant people around you. So it's amazing. So it would really be fascinating to be able to walk through a mall as if it were a grocery store with all of your food being grown in it. I agree. I agree. I'm right there with you. So I typically end on like, I guess a quote or words you live by. And I just, I just love your business mind, but you're also a visionary and you've got to have something good for me here. I'm sure you do. All right. Um, I, I do have this uh, business mindset and, you know, been researching markets for so many years. I just it's ingrained in me. And my wife absolutely hates that I talk about it anymore. Um, but one of the biggest market participants is Warren Buffett. Um, and, you know, I've read a lot of his books early on in my career. That was something that I wanted to learn from, you know, learn from somebody that's great. And um, one of his, one of the things that he says, or he said in an interview or at some point was, um, you know, I can buy a lot of things with money, uh, but the only thing I can't buy is time. Um, and I've always, that resonated really well with me. And I think it, it's important for anybody, especially entrepreneurs to think about that in terms of your time. You know, you're, you're here on this earth for a limited amount of time. You don't know how long it's going to be you know, cherish time because you can't buy it. Um, yeah. So what are you going to do with it? And I ask myself that a lot is what am I going to do with my time? You know, I've got priorities, I've got business, I've got family, I've got all of these things. How am I going to spend my time? And part of the reason why I built Planet Detroit is I want to spend my time creating something, building something, something that's going to outlive me um, and, and do some good along the way. 
So that, I guess that's my two cents is think about your time and don't take it for granted. It's limited and you don't know how long it's going to last. That makes me very happy. That's so great. You know, just if we all looked at it that way and then what can I do? The good I can do in the world while I'm here because it's such a short amount of time and your kids must love what you do. They must love it. Well, they eat a lot of salad. <laughs> now. Uh, they, they do. They're, it's actually, you know, my, my kids, my, my nephews, they come to the farm. I got to take them through basically a science class and teach them about what we're doing, how to grow plants indoors. That was really, um, I don't know what the right word is, rejuvenating. Um, you know, it was just to hear their questions, to see their eyeballs and see, you know, to them, this is going to be the way things are potentially. This is how you grow food. Um, right. I do. It's, it's pretty cool. It's very cool to see. Awesome. Tom, thank you so much for your time today. And everybody, you have to go to the website, check it out, go to planteddetroit.com, see what's going on. It's just, it's just amazing. And I, I can't wait to see this happen everywhere. So thank you so much for coming today. I appreciate it. It was a great conversation. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you. Thank you to our listeners for joining us for today's episode. And thank you to my amazing producer, Emily Flanagan. She deals with all my shenanigans. Um, Julia Augustino, thank you for the amazing composition that you have made for the podcast. And listeners, feel free to check us out on our social media channels. Don't forget to give us a five-star review. And you can also visit us on fromthebasementup.com. Thank you so much.